Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers. I am your host, Jeremy J. Fissette. On this episode, we get to meet Lady Lazarus. Lady Lazarus is the pseudonym for Melissa Ann Sweat, a singer, songwriter, and pianist who has now released four full-length albums under the Lady Lazarus moniker. In this chat, we talk about what it's like being an introvert in a time of social isolation, and what kind of healing might come from being left to one's own devices. We also discuss her musical career, from the sort of ambient, experimental beginnings of her first album, Mantic, all the way up to her most recent one from last year, Impossible Journey of My Soul Tonight, which Melissa calls her most pop-oriented record yet. We also discuss our shared love of film and nerd out a little about a couple of our favorites. So please enjoy, and thank you for listening. This is me meeting Lady Lazarus. I'm pretty okay. How are you? Yeah, that's about how I probably am. <laughs> pretty okay. Um, hanging in there. Yeah. Are you hanging? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like day to day with all this stuff that's happening. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I feel like my emotions with it have just like ebbed and flowed and I think it's I think it also brings up a lot um for a lot of people just different things so yeah I've just been kind of taking it as gently as I can but it's just these are very unprecedented extreme times that we're in and Mm so I'm constantly reminding myself almost like as if I were a child, like, you know, like you don't know how to act in this situation. So everything that comes up, if it's, if, you know, my emotions have been all over the place. So all of it, I've just been trying to be present with and accept and just be as accommodating of all that as possible because it's all relevant. Um, but it's, it's, it's just, it's hard to manage and overwhelming, but yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's been my approach is just, you know, reminding myself that none of us have gone through this before. It's incredibly overwhelming, stressful, scary, so many things. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's a good approach though. I mean, it's sort of, it's very true. None of us have gone through this before. So basically whatever anyone's really feeling is, is valid. Right. Yeah. Because no one has gone through this or no one can say, okay, well, you know, that's not going to help because we don't really know. Right. 
Yeah. And for, for each of us individually, you know, it just brings up so much too, I think in this time, you know, like Mm -hmm. so many people are in such unique situations and it's such a, it's just, everything is, is heightened and, and, um, and, and, and augmented. And there's just, there's just a vast amount of experiences out there happening. You know, like my experience is so unique to someone else's. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's fascinating, but it's, it's, it's also, I, I mean, I, I think for me personally, and, you know, we can all, only kind of come back to our own personal experiences to really speak like our full, full truth. You know, I'm, I'm in a pretty fortunate position myself. I have to just acknowledge that and admit I still have my, you know, my day jobs and, um, I'm in a stable position, but then there's just this myriad of experiences out there of people where you hear about, you know, domestic violence going up And, um, uh, and obviously so many people out of work at millions, millions. And so I know that I'm in this, you know, like rare category and I am very lucky for that. At the same time, it doesn't mean that it's not easy, you know, it, that it's easy, you know, yeah. it's still very stressful, but it's just all of it's valid, but, um, it's just, it's, it's a lot to take in. Uh, so I, I, I've been, I've been trying to, on the most part, not over, overthink it, but I can definitely get into these modes where I'm just like, like, wow, like, you know, trying to take this in on a global (laughs) and, and, and like, and a, and a, and a human scale, like, oh, how is this affecting people's you know, like sex lives and how is this going to affect <laughs> like, um, you know, dating and romance and, yeah. and, um, cause all that's really real too. And some of, some of that I feel and relate to, but there's just, there's so many, it just is, it's changing just so much of our fundamental experiences as human beings that you, 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 we are all affected by it, but for a lot of us, you know, you can't help but be fascinated in a way um, by just all the various, um, you know, impacts and because it it is fascinating. I mean, and, and it's, and that's not to say that, you know, I'm like taking some kind of, you know, like perverse, you know, objective, observational role at it. I mean, but, but you can't help, but look at the broader, you know, implications of what's, what's happening. And it's, it's, uh, it, it, yeah, it is, it is what it is, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Then then we all have our very personal experiences of it. So it's, yeah. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, some of us never really had this much time on our hands. And when people have this much time on their hands, there's sort of this inevitable introspection that might start happening. Mm-hmm. And that can go any number of ways. Because <laughs> this <laughs> this stagnation of everything, this stopping of most things of our of our routines and our daily lives, it 
it is it is unprecedented and i think it, it it does sort of set a lot of people into this tailspin because we don't we don't have the equipment for this at least not now we're kind of making it as we go right and so it's and, just a very interesting time right and the majority of us you know particularly in this culture we're a very you know doing productive culture. Mm -hmm. And so we get uncomfortable, a lot of us when it's time to just be inside. Now, for someone like me, and maybe perhaps for yourself as well, um, you know, for creative types, we're sort of used to this. (laughs) (laughs) I've had one of my friends said to me, he said, He's like, oh, I've been preparing for this my whole life. (laughs) And I I greatly relate to that. Uh, You know, to be honest, my, you know, my day-to-day life has not been impacted. You know, my, my day job, I work from home already and I am definitely one of those people, you know, even though I'm kind of an ambivert, I need my people time. um, And I like doing that when I can do it and want to do it, mm-hmm. I am definitely more prone to being at home and, and, you know, being my, being in my own space, whether it's doing my own thing or, and creating or not. So yeah, for, for me, it hasn't, hasn't changed, but I can, I can, I can also feel how, you know, it's, it's not normal, you know, for me and how I need to still get out and yeah. <laughs> and see some people. Um, but I can only imagine for the very super extroverted, uh, you know, um, individuals, how difficult this is. But, but even, even for me where I'm very on the, you know, introverted introspective spectrum, it's, it's, a uh, it's been challenging, but it's, it's also been just very, very profound. And, and, um, I've been really, you know, relishing this time alone. I think it is, I I feel like it's an opportunity to on just on many different levels, like one to just, to just get in touch with yourself more and to be comfortable with being alone, which at the end of the day, we all are. Sure. <laughs> um, but it's just also giving me a lot of, you know, like spiritual insights and, and healing. And mm-hmm. I think on some level, I think this, this is part of a greater healing um and a greater examination, you know, of, of our lives and how we want to live them. So on that level, I'm kind of embracing that. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, you know, you mentioned being, um, sort of an ambivert, which is not a term I've really heard much before, but I exactly know what it means just because I feel like I'm exactly the same way. So, I mean, I, I'm pretty introverted, um, typically, uh, I, I'm not a hugely outgoing person. If I'm in a group of new people, I'm like so uncomfortable usually. Right. But um, and so like my friends will go out sometimes, and I I just won't go because I just don't want to. Um, right. But then other times I want to, and so I go. And so even though I spend most of my time at home, um, I mean I live with my boyfriend, so I'm not physically alone. 
but sometimes he'll go out with friends and I won't. And so I am alone sometimes and I like it, but there is something about the requirement now of needing to stay home that yeah. is so different. So even the introverts and the people who are homebodies, I mean, I, I, I'm also a teacher, so I didn't work from home, but I do now. And, um, I'm fine working from home, like in general, it's just, it's, it's that sense, the almost foreboding sense of like, oh yeah, but I, I can't, like, I kind of can't leave my house. Um, like I can go outside and I can go for a walk somewhere, go in my yard, but typically we all sort of need to not go anywhere public and that restriction is so new. Right. And so even though I am quite introverted, I, I still sort of feel it in a different way. Like I'm like craving to go somewhere <laughs> right? and almost anywhere. Yeah. And I mean, we, we've even talked like, okay, so once it's a little warmer out, cause we're in Connecticut, so it's still sort of cold. And, um, once it's a little warmer out, we could maybe have a friend over like one at a time, like, and only stay outside. Like they don't even go in our house, but just that human connection that I half the time, at least don't even want. I'm just like craving it now because we can't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I really relate to that too. Like, even though I'm, you know, on that similar side of the spectrum, I feel like that basic need for people has become more aware for me, which I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of grateful for because I think sometimes I've thought of myself as like such a lone wolf and like, not that I don't need people because I do, but I, I think I've kind of, kind of let, like leaned more toward that side, but now it's, I'm now that it's completely taken away, I'm realizing how much I, I I need it. And even something as simple as, you know, like, like going out, I would just, I would always like go out to like a bar and just chat with people there. And it's like, you can't do that now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I used to like go get coffee with someone on a Sunday morning and like, or even by myself, like that was one of my favorite things to do. Um, Since I'm a teacher, I have summers off, obviously. So like when I'm alone on a weekday, that's like one of my favorite things to do is go coffee shop alone, like listen to music, maybe, maybe try and do some writing or something. And now I can't even do that. So yeah, it it is just this big shift. of. I know. And I mean, that sounds like such a petty you know, a petty thing to complain no, about. Kind of beautiful. It's beautiful to realize it's it's that David Bowie lyric. It's the, you know, I never thought I'd need so many people. Right. You know, and I I've been I've been replaying that. I'm like, I never thought I would need so many people, but I do. I wanna I wanna yeah. be around everybody. And yeah. I can't. I just want to I just want regular people around walking I know. around. <laughs> I know when I go out for coffee, I'm you know I'm alone. But uh, even if no one else is in there, it doesn't even matter. It's just like the mere act of being out and doing something out in the world. And it's something that I think so many of us, myself included, probably now have realized we have taken for granted. Right. And, yeah. And it is something. I mean, I don't think I'm gonna go like total ham when when we're, when we reopen, but. I will very quickly want to get back into my routine. Although I have been wondering for myself and everyone else, how any of our old routines will change when it reopens. Will we do the same things? Will we, will, will it be like a testing the waters thing where we're like nervous to go back out? 
Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's going to be weird. Any, any, any fashion that we reopen everything in is going to be really strange, I think. And I don't think there's a right way really to do it. It's just, it's almost going to be a trial by fire thing. Yeah. I think a lot of the the rules uh, are going to, you know, dictate that. So for instance, I'm in California and there's yeah. this like six point criteria for reopening the economy and getting people back to their regular jobs and I, I don't know all of them offhand, but it's it's definitely not going to be life. It, in my opinion, it's not it's not going to be life as it was back to normal. Yeah, um, you know where people are just going out to restaurants and bars and coffee shops and live music. You know, I've heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of you know live music. Yeah, you know I I've heard things. I've read things where it might even be you know, a year where there's not going to be big concerts, like people can't meet up in, you know, in the hundreds and thousands in big concerts or even less. So I'm not really sure what that reality is going to look like. Um, I, I, I don't think it's really hard to, I'm not a big, sci-fi person myself <laughs> i mean i've i like some you know sci-fi like i've read like you know like heinlein and vonnegut and that kind of stuff but mm-hmm. i don't get too big into it um but you can't help but be in kind of the sci-fi mind about all that's happening right now in this and like what a new future and new reality is going to look like, but I definitely don't think it's going to be 100% back to normal. It's going to be a phased in reality and step-by-step kind of thing. Um, It's so interesting too, because I'm, I'm still, I'm still in grad school because I'm taking it so slow, but um, I'm in a speculative fiction class. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's like the professor (laughs) keeps joking, like, you know, I, I picked these books like a long time ago. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> I'm sorry that they're all so apropos now. Right. Like, it's just like worldwide pandemic after worldwide <laughs> pandemic. And we're just like, ugh. Um, right. Wow. The parallels. It's so strange because it's yeah. total sci-fi. And most of them, except for the one we're about to read, were written at least 30, maybe 20, 30 years ago. And they're so relevant now. And it's so eerie. Wow. Wow. I mean, it's not, I mean, obviously it's not the same thing, but it's close enough where we're all like, oh. (laughs) Well, it's often that way with, with, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, speculative, speculative fiction and writers in general, where it's that intuition, it's that tapping into, you know, like where, where life is, is headed. And then, you know, more often than not, we head that way. So. Yeah, I mean, we we listened to this little interview with Margaret Atwood because we read Oryx and Crake. Right. Um, and she was saying how when she writes speculative fiction, which is basically all she writes, she doesn't think of it as inventing new things. She She's inspired by the weird, terrible, you know, underground shit that's already happening. Exactly. So she just takes it and makes an educated estimation as to where these characters in a world very much like ours would have ended up. Exactly. And now we're all like, oh, okay. So those predictions were a little more prophetic than we wanted them to be. Exactly. Yeah. And we've all seen, especially even with her, how it's like, it's not 
too far off. That's, oh yeah, I mean yeah. when when especially when the Handmaid's Tale series came out, ever, so many people were like, "Oh, this is like really uncomfortable because the parallels are are insane." And oh yeah, as I mean, wild as some of those stories are, when you break them down, their fundamentals, the parallels do do line up pretty well. Well, yeah, and like the wave of rolling back of uh, access to mm-hmm. uh, you know women's health care in various states, particularly in the South over the past few years, has just yeah. been you know astonishing in this in this Trump era. And I, I remember that as well. I was like, and, and you know, and of course there were women you know wearing handmaid's tales like outfits oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> out and about protesting. But it's like, yeah, that I mean, it couldn't be more real that's actually what we're seeing is is just a continual erosion of our of our reproductive rights and and it's 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 very frightening and uh, i i love that series and i love her work um yeah i was the first novel of hers i've actually read so i have to uh explore more i have handmaid's tale and i think i might have another but um Oh, Jeremy, I have a funny thing. I was thinking about this today um, because I know you're a film buff, you're a film guy. And I was just trying, I've been really, it's it's such a mental game these days, right? Like (laughs) just trying to stay sane. And I, you know, I'm definitely prone to, you know, melancholy and Oh yeah, me too. Being anxious and sad, like every, you know, I, I mean, I'm definitely, you know, vulnerable to that. But I also just love, you know, humor, and I, you know, even though it doesn't ever come across in my work, I don't think <laughs> I love humor. I love comedy. I'm, you know, I love to make jokes and just be a goof in my in my life and. So one of the things I was thinking about today was what are some, (laughs) okay, so I was doing my laundry today and I put on a scarf around my, my nose and mouth, you know, like you're supposed to, Mm -hmm. to go down to the laundry room. And I was thinking, okay, what are some films where (laughs) someone's wearing a mask (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I was trying to come up with some kind of like criterion collection. <laughs> oh, like, like COVID-19 criterion. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like mask, mask focus. Oh, there's criterion. gotta be so many. Well, okay. I came up with a couple. So eyes without a face. <laughs> yeah. Which I haven't seen, but I, I know. Yes. Uh, and then what was the next one? Oh wait, shoot. I can't think of it right now. I was coming up with them earlier. Phantom of the Opera. Okay. And some of them don't apply because they're eye masks, but I feel like they apply also. Like like Zorro, I feel like I was yeah, Zorro was my first thought. (laughs) Oh wait, (laughs) and then one of the other ones was uh, oh, the Invisible Man. Mm -hmm. Maybe even the Elephant Man, right? Because didn't he have a mask at some point? Oh, I don't remember. Or was like in bandages. Probably that. Probably that. Right. It's, I don't remember. I'm, I'm probably embarrassing myself right now. Oh, no, it's fine. I just, I was just like, you know what? I think I want to watch uh, films where people are in masks. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of Eyes Without a Face, um, I haven't seen it, but it's so iconic that I, I know a little bit about it. And I, I do know 
Edith Scobe was in that um, Holy Motors movie. Oh. And I think she wears a mask at the end of it as like an homage to that film. Have you seen Holy Motors? I haven't seen Holy Have you Motor. heard of Holy Motors? No, I don't it's, think so. It is this French film by Leos Carex, which I'm a name I'm probably saying terribly wrong, but um it's this super, super, super strange um film. I think it's from 2011. And it's not I don't even know what oh, the wow. hell it's about, but um it basically like if you look at top ten lists of the decade, like from film reviewers, it's probably on quite a few of them because people really loved it. Um, Wait, watch this tonight. <laughs> oh God, you're gonna have nightmares. <laughs> oh, it's oh, it's scary. Okay, it's no, not. No, think. it's it's not. It's not a horror movie, but it is horrific at times. Oh, it's okay. Very, very strange. Essentially, it is very like dream logicy. And if I remember correctly, I've only seen it once, but if I remember correctly, it starts with a guy looking like watching a movie screen, or like he's dreaming of a movie screen, and then like we enter it or something, and like that's the movie I don't I'm probably mixing that up with something but it's a very dream logic film and there's like this one guy I don't know who plays him he's like a a well-known French actor and he plays he basically goes through this one 24-hour period where every so often he'll just completely change lives and he'll change into this entirely different person this different character entirely different history like one like 100 like one guy's like this sewer rat who like attacks people this other guy's a limo driver like it's 100 different there's a musical number in the middle it's a wild movie that's so that sounds very fascinating I it's like a really it. cool movie if you can find it streaming somewhere i definitely suggest you at least uh give it at least one watch it's definitely worth seeing there's that nothing else i've really ever cool. seen like it which is always exciting even if you don't like something it's so nice when you see something that you're like, wow, I've never seen a single thing like it's that. It's so weird. Oddly enough, like I can't think, I'm sure there are maybe other examples, but I can't think of another example of an actor playing like such multiple roles within the same film. Like I yeah. can't think of and that. They're, they're so different. And if I remember correctly, you see him, you see him like switch. So you see him put like take off a costume and put on another one. It's a very meta kind of thing. Right. Yeah, it's it's really, really weird. And there really is nothing else like it. Maybe I will watch. I did just look it up. So I think I'll I'll check out the trailer. <laughs> Maybe I'll watch it. I've been I've also been, I don't know if this is is if you've been doing this too, but well, I mean, one, I, I tend to not watch a lot of like violent or like scary movies or mm-hmm. super intense movies anyways, but I've just been really careful about what I've been taking in. You know, I've just been trying to make the world around me kind of like soft. <laughs> yeah. Well, then I don't know. Holy Motors is not soft. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So maybe I'll save it for another there, month. There, so. there are soft moments and there are really, really funny moments, but there's all, Kylie Minogue is in it. I forgot about that. Oh, that's cool. Kylie Minogue shows up for like one scene. Um, but there's also some really grim, gruesome moments. It's very, very like careening left and right. You never, ever know where it's going. Maybe I'll see. Yeah, I've just been like, I haven't just been going for, you know, straight up gooey, you know, or comedy, comedic mm. like movies. I've watched quite a few things in quarantine and stay at home mode. My favorite so far, which I can't believe I haven't, I didn't see before was 
uh, talk to her. Oh, I've been meaning to watch that. I've never seen it either. It was so good. Oh my! I, I think God. I will love it. <laughs> it was. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm a big Amaldivar person. All of his films because everything just always hits the right note with me, and he's also yeah. so good with women. Like that's his. Yeah, that's one of his trademark. You know, signatures is just like really captivating female characters complex strong am i wrong in, in remember in thinking he did e2 mama tambien you know what i don't think he did e2 mama <laughs> who did that one i'm uh, i'm really i'm really outing myself as a terrible film buff because oh no you are a good film buff we've talked about films <laughs> i know i know i suppose we should probably um mention that so we we've we've electronically known each other for a couple years oh yeah yeah i don't remember why or how i think it might have been back i know i remember how i remember oh do you maybe i'm wrong i think because you were working for um or with uh was it anthony fantano is that yeah yeah the needle drop yeah the needle drop yeah Yeah. i still do i still edit for him oh okay yeah yeah yeah. and i think maybe that's how right i think yeah i think i was writing a a piece about one of your videos or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I reached out to you or you reached out to me probably on on Facebook or Twitter but yeah we've been we've been chatting for a while just sort of randomly about whatever um great yeah and so, so we've it's, ni- it's nice to finally get to actually talk to you yeah exactly I know it, it's so funny I feel like I already know you <laughs> I know, I know, I know. That's that's interesting too, because my whole point with this podcast is like, oh, I'm gonna like meet people and like, <laughs> and check. I mean, I, I don't know you, but like, we, I'm not, we're not full full strangers. Exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. but and it I, is nice to finally get to talk we, to you. Exactly, and beyond music stuff, I know that we both are big film people too, just from your posts. Yeah. And, things like and I get that. the feeling that we have similar film interests as well for sure for sure yeah like when you were when you were talking just now about you weren't just specifically talking about film when you were saying you want the world around you to be sort of soft the films that i immediately came to mind and i don't know if you'd agree are are spike jones films which he's one of my favorite filmmakers and i mean he's so not prolific he's only had four movies in like 20 years but um you know being john malkovich and 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 her and where the wild things are there's they are soft they're very melancholy and there's such a loaded like pregnant emotion underneath them but i but they're very soft to me so when you were mentioning that i I immediately thought of her and where the wild things are mostly i like that i like that maybe i'll check out recheck out some spike jones films i've always seen her you know what? I'm trying to remember. I'm going to Google. <laughs> That's where Joaquin Phoenix falls in love with Scarlett Johansson's voice over the computer. You know what? I didn't ever see that one. No. Is it is it really good? Is it good? I I love it. It's one of it's probably my favorite movie of of the past 10 years. Wow, that says a lot. Okay, cool. But some people but some people thought it was cloying or like they couldn't, you know, if you can't buy in like if you can't get yourself to buy into that central conceit, then it's not, you're not going to be able to go with it. Right. Because there is like an innate, almost silliness to it. And you have to either embrace that and go with it or get over it because otherwise you're not going to be able to enjoy the movie. Because for me, 
there's such a sweetness and a tenderness and also just such a deep, deep sadness to the situation. But I can only find that if I, if I take it seriously. Right. So you right. have to buy into it. And it, it, it is a strange um, plot. But you, if you can get yourself to buy into it, which I mean, most people I think who have seen it seem to like it. Um, and Joaquin Phoenix is so good. And Amy Adams is so good in it. Oh, uh, I love she, she plays her. like a role. She plays, I mean, Amy Adams is great in almost everything. Oh, but, oh she is. She knocks but over she, Oh, she always does. But she plays this role that really probably could have been played by almost anybody. It's kind of like the throwaway role, but she injects so much life into it. And she has this one scene. I wish you had seen it so I could like start crying about it. But Aww. she has this one scene and you'll know it when it happens towards the end where she's talking just alone with Joaquin Phoenix. And there's it, it makes me want to cry every time. It's so beautiful. Maybe um, tonight you have me. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so good. And, yeah. then, and then we can keep electronically corresponding about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I feel, you know, we've been talking for, for a little bit now. We haven't even mentioned that you are um, a musician, <laughs> um, which is really, I mean, yeah. I've, I've only been interviewing musicians so far. Um, I'm very open to interviewing other types of artists, but musicians are, seem to be the most willing to sit and chat with me for an hour. So it's been nice. It's been fun. Um, but you are a musician. You record under the name Lady Lazarus for anyone who doesn't recognize mm -hmm. your birth name. Um, you just released a new album a few months ago. I don't know how many months, but it feels like not that long ago um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in 2019 impossible journey of my soul tonight which is such a nice and long title i love long <laughs> titles <laughs> um what does that title mean to you like why how did you pick that yeah um or did it just sort of stumble out of your psyche <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny you know my my album titles have gone for like they're like one word and then or or like multiple or like a whole phrase, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it was like Mantic was my first one. And yeah. I, and I love that title. It just says a lot. And a lot of people don't know that word. And so it's very, it, it, it really encapsulates a lot. And then my second album was All My Love in Half Light, which I just made up was a phrase I made up, but it just, I knew what I was trying to articulate with that. And then the next one was miracles. And that's all I wanted to say was that was, you know, it was, I, it was kind of a bold, bold statement. And, and there was a title one, track. I mean, is, is, isn't that your only album with the title track? Yeah, that's true. Actually. Yeah. yeah there isn't, um, there isn't a mantic or yeah, actually that's the only one with the title track. Yeah. And so that's true. That, that, song really on that album was sort of like the linchpin for that album it was yeah. it was all around that song um now in a in a similar way that's kind of how this new album came about but it was more of a of a of a sonic linchpin so um the song that really kind of got me thinking, oh, okay, this is how I can envision this album was the first song of the, it happens to be the first song on the album, um, which is, I know what it feels like. And 
that was, you know, a lot of my stuff recently has been mostly on piano or or keyboard, but I've had it on like a piano setting. Mm -hmm. And so I've kept it kind of traditional. Um, and my stuff doesn't vary too widely from there, but on this song, it was, this was electric, uh, piano. And so it had a little bit of a more, you know, a little, like a slightly more electronic vibe. And I just thought, you know, this is kind of where I want to go. I want to have more, atmospherics to it i want to mm. have um you know like more of like synth sounds and this kind of like just general atmosphere going on that i haven't had um and so i started to hear that that was the like sonic direction that i wanted to go in and i had songs you know previously that i could maybe bring into to this and then I also needed to write new songs but when I wrote that song that was the which was probably in maybe summer of of 20 when did I release uh, of 2018 mm -hmm. so about a year and a few months before the album came out that's when I kind of realized like oh okay it was it was sort of like um it's like when, like, a, like when a, like a, when like a planet is starting to like build gravity around it, and things are starting to like pull into it <laughs> yeah. and gather. Like that, that's what was kind of that kind of pulled pulled other ideas into it. Um, and so, yeah, that song kind of started it. But um, yeah, so the title "Impossible Journey of My Soul" tonight kind of was a little bit more thought out in the way that all, all my love flight was thought out where I wanted to express a theme. Mm -hmm. And for me, this album is kind of a culmination of a, I would say, well, for me, it's a, it's a soul journey for myself where I feel that I've done a great amount of, of healing work and have kind of reached, um, you know, this, this, this level of, uh, kind of finding myself again after a lot of, you know, difficulties and that, that once seemed impossible. Mm. And so I wanted to, you know, acknowledge that in the, in the use of the word impossible. Um, however, I also wanted to embrace the concept of dark night of the soul. Yeah. That's, I was going to say that that's what it makes me think of. Right, 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 right. So I kind of wanted to make my own phrase of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, within this healing period, you know, there were many dark nights of the soul. And I think that, you know, we all have that from time to time. We all have our own, you know, dark nights. Um, and I wanted to express that in the title in that, you know, this is an impossible journey of my soul tonight. Yeah. And to say tonight 
because it, it could only last for the night. Right. And because I think that there's, you know, I've had, you know, me personally, I've had many moments where I've thought, you know, I don't want to be here. I want to check out of this planet. I want to get out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think I'm going to last the night. I've had friends who have checked out of this planet and who, you know, un- unfortunately have, have, um, you know, um, killed themselves and Mm -hmm. and you know all that's real um and so I guess in my title I wanted to speak to that 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 dark time it can last for it can last for a while obviously but in a sense it could only it could also just last in a night and that night could be a period of your of your life but that period is something that you can get out of, you know, with, with the right, with the right, um, with the right things. It's not, it's not always that easy. And I never think that it's always, it's, it's not always a, 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 a solid given for anybody, mm-hmm. but, um, that's what I was speaking to with that title. Um, and it seems like an, an impossible journey but you know that's that's the thing it, it it is actually it's actually you know achievable if you can if you can hang on um, yeah and so, I feel like, so I feel yeah like that, that makes that's sense what I'm to. yeah because yeah. it is it is an impossible thing when you're in it but then just sort of latent in the title the word tonight implies sort of a temporary nature to it Right. So it's like, yeah. yeah, okay, maybe tonight will feel impossible, but it's just, it's just tonight, and there will right. be, and there will be a tomorrow, and maybe it won't be as impossible tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly it. And um, and I think it's, and I also think it's okay, even though it's really difficult, and I, and I, and I don't want to advocate, you know, you know, miring and in you know darkness but we all have to feel that a lot mm-hmm. to to get out of it to to understand if we if we've had trauma or, and so much of us have so we have to kind of mire in it for a little bit yeah. so it is sort of that reminder of like well it is it, it can only be for tonight and again that tonight is not just one night it can be a phase of your life but Sure. Um, there is that. And then, you know, from like a musician standpoint and like a listening standpoint, you know, I also was kind of envisioning, like I often do, you know, you put on a record for, and that's your, you know, salvation. And, yeah. and, um, and I wanted to like create that space where it's like you can just kind of, come into this, the space of this record and feel safe and feel, you know, maybe comforted and, um, resonate with the, you know, the feelings that are being shared. Um, so that's, that's, that's what I was also trying to, to share with that title of, um, you know, like come, come into this space for tonight. <laughs> yeah. 
And I mean, and then that's sort of, like you said, the linchpin, it's sort of like the thing that is like sort of the mission statement of the album itself. Yeah. Um, because when you look at the lyrics, I mean, you've never, you've never been a songwriter who, who writes to my, to my, in my opinion, you've never been a songwriter who writes super, super obtuse or, um, really out there lyrics there's always definitely been a groundedness to your lyrics but I feel like this album and I mean maybe you would disagree but I feel like this album of yours was the most direct and candid lyrically that you've been on record mm -hmm. and I, I was wondering if there was sort of that deliberate um, I don't know maybe demystifying you know making it more approachable in, in a sense because you you mentioned that you you typically write on piano and that's always been true but when you especially look at Mantic and All My Love and Half-Light there is sort of a, a haziness to those albums and there's right. a, a lo-fi ambience to them especially Mantic and it seems like with every record of yours your voice gets clearer in the mix your lyrics get much more direct and candid and, and it feels like that is appropriate now given your sort of uh, ethos behind the album itself. Yeah, I think that that's really well observed. Um, you know, I think that aesthetically, I I just, I kind of came from that lo-fi realm where, you know, I really loved like early smog records and right. things like that. Um, and, and, I, I just really feel like, you know, anything can go lyrically and you, you can just express yourself at will. Yeah. And I think that as I, as I have developed more as a songwriter, it's a funny thing. Um, but you know, it's not that I, it's not that I, uh, want to be a total, you know, pop, uh, songwriter but I think I just value more the directness um of you know pop or more traditional songwriting a little bit more as I've just developed um it just becomes mm -hmm. a little bit more I don't know just just it's hard to say but like tasty and rewarding to mm -hmm come up with something that feels like it's being delivered more directly. Yeah. And, um, and it wasn't ever, it was, it was never a conscious choice. Everything that I've done along the way has just sort of been like a natural progression, but, you know, I consider one of my heroes, you know, Tom Waits, you know, mm -hmm. even though he's idiosyncratic, his music is, and his songs are, are pop. They yeah. are, they are pop. They're timeless. They can be interpreted, um, by many different people and have. And so I feel like, you know, more and more, that's what I want to do. You know, I would want to, you know, pop is like the, if you write pop in that respect, like a Tom Waits or, you know, someone who's delivering something really valuable, but through a medium that's palatable, mm -hmm. it's basically medicine with sugar. <laughs> yeah. 
So well, it's because, just going to go down easier, which is lovely. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's when you say pop, uh, many people will instantly think of like radio pop music, which right, like, maybe, like maybe, maybe Perry maybe, or something or yeah, yeah, Taylor Swift. Which, yeah. Which in a sense does a similar thing, but it's not the end all be all of what you're talking about. I mean, to me, when people are talking about pop songwriting, it's kind of just like, how do we cut to the quick? Um, as soon as possible while still maintaining the integrity of what I'm trying to say, because if you can get it more direct, like I said, like, I, I feel like there's sort of this new sense of candidness, which was sort I could sort of see it on miracles too, but there's like a candidness there in the less, you know, ornamentation and, and the less totally obscuring reverb there is the easier your, your intended message will be to get across. Right. Right. And sometimes people, maybe you were feeling this back in, in the Mantic days, but sometimes people, like you said, they want to express themselves, but maybe they don't want to be heard. So they want that outlet, but then they can obscure it, obscure it with all these tools. And so they still got it out. And maybe you can kind of get the emotion from the, the vocal or the sound, but your words aren't right there on the page. Right. Yeah, I think in the in the Mantic days, I was just, it was so raw for me, just, you know, everything was new. And I just, it was very immediate. So everything that was on that record is, it's just very immediate, even though like most of it was, most of it, I went back to my own recordings at home. Yeah. And half about half of them were working with a, a friend who had a, you know, their own little studio, um, downtown in San Jose where I was living at the time. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, uh, it was, it was all very low fi and, and, but that, that's what I, that's what I liked. And I think, um, yeah, I think I've just, you know, I still, there's still, you know, a good amount of, um, you know, f like feel and, and reverb on this, but there's, there's an, a, a greater clarity on yeah. this record. And, um, I think it's just been this, this gradual evolution of me kind of being more comfortable to step forward in that way. And I can, I can definitely say that in, my next record, I'm not sure, you know, when I will do that, but I would want to go even more forward with that. You know, mm -hmm. I had a lot of, um, even though I loved, you know, where my vocals were at and the sound of the record as a whole, I did get a lot of feedback from people saying, oh, I wish the vocals were more up front. And I've had people say really nice things like, your vocals are really lovely. I wish I could hear them more. Yeah. And maybe there's a, I don't know, maybe there's still a lack of confidence in me about that, um, that I probably need to work on, but I feel like I would want to, I feel like my next record would be even more, <laughs> yeah. um, more, you know, uh, clar clarified and more out there, um, in terms of, just the the fidelity and um and it, i think it's i don't know it's it's hard to say it's like sometimes i question it i'm like am i am i just uh well one i one i just don't think that even though i 
came from listening to lo-fi and I'm such a 90s um like indie college rock nerd yeah (laughs) like I just don't it's just it's just not the sound that you hear and like a shoegaze girl like you just don't you don't really hear that a lot now Mm um and I think there's just I I think I I'm just more interested in seeing now like how I can be heard and how it can be more more clear and um you know even in the structures of the songs that were on this record everything has been it's been kind of going in a more pop direction you know it's not it's not it's not fully fledged there it's not a you know a Beatles song but it's 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 not a Beach Boys song, but it's like wanting to be there. It's like taking from that. Yeah. And I'm I'm enticed by that as a songwriter, but it's still my own, you know, it's still my own thing. Um, but I think just as I develop more in my own songwriting, it's sort of like you, and I don't know if everyone feels this way. I think a lot of like, like the new... Fiona Apple record, for instance, I think that's, I think it's multiple things. I think it's her immense songwriting talent, but then she's also devolved it a little bit um, to be more raw, which is great. It's like, because she's already at the zenith of, of songwriting abilities. So she can take a step back and, and do other things and throw in more of the, humanity and and then it can still it can like exist on like within that full spectrum which is I love that it's very and that that's that's very profound um yeah but but she said and she's even said so much is that like she basically has said that that the reason like many of the lyrics on the new album aren't she doesn't even think of them as being very poetic because that wasn't really the goal and you can kind of when you compare it to her older records which were, of course, even from the beginning, from title, were exceptionally well written. They were always like songwriter songs, you know. Right. And and this one, while probably her least pop record, is very candid to the point where it sort of like surpasses songwriting, and it's almost like she's just like just talking. Right. There's like yeah. such a such a candidness to, to the yeah. words on that on that album. Yes. Yeah. There's like this like spoken word, uh, almost feeling and immediacy. Um, and, and even in like the vocal delivery and the rawness at times and what her voice does, but then under, underneath all that is her just, you know, like wonderful compositions and where she's just, you know, she's just phenomenal with that. So that's, that's another thing, you know, I mean, I, I don't particularly, you know, have that where I'm like, you know, some kind of wizard at the piano, you know, like, like Fiona Apple is, but, um, 
Yeah, I, I took some time actually with that record <laughs> the other day. I was like, I need to have a moment with this, like everybody else is having. And yeah, it's it was, definitely it was a record. Pretty that, remarkable. It's a record that demands that moment of attention, though. I know. You and, can't really and, give oh, it half of your attention. Oh, it was yeah, and and it's just on so many levels, it's such a good time for it. Um, I know. But, uh, someone someone yeah. tweeted. I forget who it was, but someone tweeted, like fetch the bolt cutters sounds how 2020 feels right <laughs> and that's totally yes. true because even if someone walks away from that album like unimpressed or like they don't like it as much as other records as hers there's no denying that she, somehow even though she recorded it like mostly last year i think somehow yeah. she, she got this raw nerve this exposed nerve anxiety tumultuous overflowing i mean the whole album is right. bursting at the seams i read one review that was like the arrangements on this album are begging to collapse at any moment and they just don't right it's like the air has been sucked out and everyone is on fire and i don't know it's like it's true that's how 2020 feels that is so true and again and again back to i think what we were talking about earlier it's like it's amazing how you know songwriters and and writers can just kind of tap into these things yeah. <laughs> and then they all of a sudden become you know re realities and very relevant and uh i know it's so often that we get a new album that sounds like it's about our time or something and then the the band the the band leader's like oh but i wrote these songs three years ago Right. But it's just, right. maybe it's because we just have a habit as humans of like applying a modern contemporary lens on everything, but there really is like an eerie uh, prescience to so much that's released that was written so long ago. And it's, it's, it's a very strange phenomenon. Oh yeah. Well, I, I believe in that for sure. And yeah. I'm sure that, you know, someone like Fiona Apple is pretty tapped into the, the ether and what's right. going on. Right. <laughs> So yeah, it's interesting, and it's interesting to hear to to go back a bit. It's interesting to hear you discuss the transition from sort of the the Mantic time to trying to get more direct. Because I I feel like I remember when Mantic came out. Because um, I mean, I found I found your work when Mantic came out because Pitchwork reviewed it, um, and. I think it wasn't probably the Pitchwork review, but there were some people talking, uh, comparing your work to Grouper's work. Right. Um, and it's, I, I don't think that your work and her work sound that similar, but I almost wonder if the intentions were similar because if you look at her older work, like her really older work, I don't know how, how deep a dive you've taken into Grouper, um, yeah. but she has some her first couple albums are just these like murky beyond belief loops of droning vocals and like detuned guitars. And it's super, super weird. You can't understand a single word, but you know, there are words <laughs> and there's a melody in there. And you know that she took the time to write lyrics, whether they're verses and choruses or not and sing them. And then she obscured them beyond recognition. And then later, like recently she started releasing these staggeringly like sad piano albums mm. which are very direct at least by grouper standards like if you listen to ruins which i think is a great album um you can understand almost every word and i wonder mm. sometimes if if it was for her like this maybe not conscious or intentional but this sort of in this accidental like desire to 
almost just like cut through the the noise, like cut through the bullshit and just be like, I'm going to write songs and you're going to hear them and you're going to actually know what I'm saying. And you're going to, you're going to hear my vulnerabilities instead of me hiding behind all these effects. I'm just going to sing straight to you. Right. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of the vibe I got from, from your most recent record, even though it doesn't sound like a grouper record, it, that that's the intention that I felt as I was listening, like, okay, so you know, because I've, I've listened to your first two records quite a bit. And it was just like, all right, so miracles in this one, it sounds like you are really just trying to, like I said earlier, just like cut to it. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting, because having the, on like a sonic level, like having the, the vibe and having the, the vocals be more in the mix of the the music and what's happening it it creates its own you know feeling and it's very different than than you know songs that are constructed otherwise so yeah it 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 takes a, a different kind of approach and they're you know it's sort of like if um i mean not to say that this is how how it was but it's like yeah what if like like my bloody valentine like made like really like you know like made super you know high fidelity songs or you know where all of a sudden there was like this really clear vocals I guess I was just to me that's how that's how I wanted to express myself then um but then I realized that, you know, I was actually very, I mean, the at the core of what I do is melody and lyrics. And so if, so I wanted that to come out more and over time, that's, that's what has emerged. Yeah. Um, but I still, it's, but it's also, it's also a question of, okay, we'll have, how do you still have that same feeling that you had in those early records of, you know, the, the rawness or that, that murkiness or that, that atmosphere. And Mm so um, I'm learning how to be more clear, which I desire to now, um, because maybe it, maybe it is that maybe I, I do just want to be heard with my voice and with what I'm saying. And I want it to be, you know, it's, it's pretty, you know, it's, it's beautiful. And I want it to be there and not obscured. Not that it is not, was not beautiful then, but, um, it, it, it definitely is just, you know, augmented more and and heard more when it when it stands out and is recorded well. <laughs> yeah. You know, like for instance, I, you know, for this last record, this was so on Miracles was the first time that I was in a professional studio, like a fully fledged professional studio. Um, but this this last record, um, Impossible Journey of My Soul Tonight this was like the ideal uh, studio experience for me. I was at Tiny Telephone in Oakland 
um, which has such a great history. And I was with Bo Sorensen, who has recorded with so many people that Mm -hmm. I know and love. And so it was, it was like, I I got to do exactly what I wanted to do. Um, And so, you know, that's how I feel on this record. The only thing I can say is that, you know, one of the things I, I was very, it's definitely fuel for the next record, but I was very, even though this feels <laughs> for me, this felt like I was very out front with my vocals and, and the clarity of it. It was very fascinating to me to get some feedback from reviewers and, and things that, that they wanted to hear my vocals out more. Yeah. And so I find that to be very fascinating. And I think that for, again, for the next record, I'm going to push myself more mm-hmm. to be even more out front. Um, so we'll see about that, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck on that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, yeah, I, just, I think it would be, I just think it would be really, um, I think that's kind of what I need to do. I think that's yeah. where I'm at. That's what I need to do. Yeah. I would ask what you're watching or listening to, but we kind of already talked about that. <laughs> you're yeah, going to watch Her uh, by Spike Jones. Yeah, that would be a good one to watch. <laughs> um, what else is on my list? Uh, let's see. I don't know about what to watch right now. Otherwise, beyond what you mentioned, but... I've been a really bad film person lately. We've been watching mostly um, series, mostly television. Yeah, it's kind of a lot about the comfort right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> plus just... like there's just a lot of really good television right now. Yeah, that's that's so true. That's... And I really need to watch that new Hulu show, Mrs. America, with Kate Blanchett. Oh, Because wow. she's one of my favorite people. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i love and she, oh, uh, and I she's love finally doing a television series so maybe i'll try to watch a kate blanchett film tonight oh, and get watch carol <laughs> <laughs> watch carol i love carol I'm, I'm i have a carol poster i'm looking at it right now that was a great film oh it's so nice it's so it made me swoon it was one of the only movies recently i've seen twice in the theater oh because it's just like i watched it i watched it and like it's just oh it's just so beautiful i could talk we could have a whole hour where i just talk about carol i know next time we'll do like a whole film we'll just just talk about (laughs) movies we love for an hour and hope people really are riveted by it (laughs) (laughs) that sounds great all right well thank you so much for talking with me tonight it's been a pleasure yeah thank you jeremy this was so nice thank you Thank you. Have a good evening. Okay, you take care. Bye-bye. You too.